I love that music. Right. It's my it's my it's my favorite uh, ominous sound that I've found online. I'm like, this is the theme to this freaky show going forward. Wonderful. It's also the theme uh, to our uh, to our cemetery tours. No, that's right. I, it's so ominous. I also like how uh, you know they got the uh, audio effects. So like we do horror. I know, right? Oh, the creeping dread I feel in my gut. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Or. I like that. I like that a lot. Who doesn't, you know? <clears throat> I feel like that, uh, that one you just played before the crows would be great background music for the story that we're reading at the end of this hour. I know. I wish it was like a, I wish it was a long like version of it. Yeah. I, mean, I guess I could keep clicking it, but right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we are here with uh, this freaky show. The second episode of uh, this freaky show, our month long salute to, uh, to Halloween. Yes. Do we like to do here on this freaking show? Uh, I am Travis D and I'm the freak Joe. And uh, if you guys caught uh, the last episode that uh, we did, uh, you know that uh, we are going to be doing cemetery tours again this year. Um, it's obviously just going to be a little bit later than expected, but that just means you guys get more spooky stuff from us uh, through through the year, really, because it's going to dive kind of into uh, November. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, we got a, we got a good show uh, here. Uh, for uh, we are doing this as a live stream. Uh, we've been doing them a lot often, and I've been enjoying them a little bit more. I think uh, I have too. I think it's a fun way to yeah. do it. Yeah, a couple of reasons. First, uh, we get some people to kind of interact from time to time. We get some people who kind of listen. Uh, I think it's a good way to uh, to get our podcast more out there, to get more listeners and followers. Uh, shout out to those who uh, were liking, following us throughout the uh, live stream. I do appreciate that. Um, also, we don't got to use Skype. Yeah, right? Right. Best of both worlds. Uh, but today, uh, obviously, we're going to talk about uh, the Phantom Toe Booth. We're going to go through uh, Chapter 11 uh, during our effing uh, book club. Uh, how are you feeling about the book club, Joe? Are you liking what we're doing here? I'm loving it. I really am a big fan of the Phantom Toe Booth. I do. I, I'm so glad uh, this is uh, something we did, and it's something that uh, if we get uh, if we get enough people interested in it, it's something additionally that we can look at doing going forward. Uh, not so much a segment on our show, but like uh, like an additional thing that we could Absolutely. do. Um, because uh, obviously we change uh, our segments uh, every year. I know next year we're doing what ifs, uh, so I am excited for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about this episode. What's going on here? Uh, we're going to go over the uh, the Freaknet Book Club's Phantom Toe Booth. Uh, we're going to talk about Chapter Eleven. Uh, we got the Freak Joe here, who's going to be uh, reading us another tale uh, at the end of this uh, live stream. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, some spooky uh, stories, some kind of like urban legends and stuff. And we did it last year. Where uh, some of them are true and some of them are made up by me, and it's up to Cartoon Joe to figure out which one's real, which one's not. Um, and of course, uh, it's kind of a little contest thing. There's going to be ten stories. If you get five out of ten, uh, you win, and I'll continue to do the closing. But if you lose, you're going to be doing the closing of the show. All right. um, so you did win last year. So let's see if you can uh, if you keep that streak alive. 
Um, I never win anything. (laughs) (laughs) But before we dive into anything, I just want to remind you all that this episode of uh, This Freaky Show is brought to you by BallWash.com. There is nothing scarier than uh, being out in public realizing that, oh, shit, I didn't bathe properly. And the reason you probably didn't bathe properly is because you probably didn't have the right stuff to get that bathing done properly. So you want to go on, you want to get the best products available. That, my friends, is at ballwash.com. Between their shampoos, conditioners, body washes, nut rubs, and creams, and ball guard uh, lotions that help with chafing, everything from head to toe, from hole to pole. When it comes to your sack, Ball Wash has your back. Beyond that, they got they got boxers and personal lubricants. They got hand sanitizers. They have everything you need to get through the day in any hygienic way that you seem that you need to do. All you got to do is go to ballwash.com, fill your cart with all their amazing products, and then at checkout, use the promo code FREAKNET, that's F-R-E-A-K-N-E-T, you'll save yourself 15% on your entire order. That's right, ballwash.com. It is time to get that funk out of your junk. Nice. This freaky show is also brought to you by audible.com. If you're looking for that special spooky story to listen to throughout this month, maybe to, uh, to accompany the, uh, the dulcet tones of the freak Joe, uh, <laughs> you can head over to audibletrial.com slash freaknet and get free. This, now this is for free. You just go there, you put in your email, you, you subscribe, you get the first 30 days of your audible subscription for free plus a credit toward your first audiobook. And you can use that audiobook credit to uh, to pick yourself up something scary. You could you could maybe get something by Stephen King or by his his fantastically talented son Joe Hill. Um maybe mm. maybe you're into something like uh The Haunting of Hill House, which is uh, also a book that you could listen to. Um lots of great options, lots of great ways to be afraid this month. Uh and you can you can listen to the book of your dreams for free at audibletrial.com slash freaknet. That's true, Joe. The only thing it cost uh, our listeners would just be a moment of their time filling, yep. uh, filling out the, uh, the little uh, login. Yep. I mean, you can't beat that. You know, 30 days absolutely free, plus you get your first credit, uh, first you get a credit to your first book free. Um, you really can't beat it. No. Really, it's really, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a great investment. And the thing is, it costs them nothing, and it helps us out so much. Some mm-hmm. little things that really help out our show, and it helps uh, helps us do the things that we like to do, like like food rankings and taste testings, and so we do like we do over on our YouTube page in Freaknet Studios. And if you guys haven't followed us on Freaknet Studios yet, make sure you go over to YouTube, find our page under again that is Freaknet Studios. Find it, hit the notification bell, subscribe to it. Because that's where we're going to be releasing our cemetery tours that we're going to be doing uh, here towards uh, maybe mid-month, end of the month, depending on when we can get everything planned out. Um, if you guys checked out the last series we did, those were Midwest cemeteries in Illinois. Uh, now we're going to kind of look at maybe doing uh, some cemeteries in you know, one state over Indiana, around like the Indianapolis area. So... Um, it's my favorite time of year. It's my favorite thing that we do here on the show. Uh, I love doing it and it's a lot of fun and it gives us time to, uh, it gives us time to spend with each other, Joe, cause we don't get a lot of time to do that. True. True, true, true. So, um, Joe, so, uh, let's dive into what we got to get done here. Um, we'll get the uh, tow booth all the way. Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So 
Phantom Tollbooth. Uh, it's our uh, Freaking Out Book Club of Choice by Norton Jester, illustrated by Jules Pfeiffer. We're going to talk about Chapter 11 here, which is titled Discord and is that Din? Yeah. Din? Okay, cool. Just want to make sure I got that right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we left off on the last chapter. Uh, Milo was uh, left in charge of the orchestra that uh, kind of gives us uh, all beautiful colors in the world. They don't play music. They play colors. Love that. Um, the uh, conductor wanted to take a little break, go take a nap. Uh, so, uh, you know, Milo was left in charge, if you will. So, uh they, uh, him, talk, um, the bug that they're with. What's the bug called again? The humbug. The humbug. The humbug. Uh, we're left, uh, kind of in charge there, and they obviously all kind of doze off because they get tired themselves. But they gotta make sure that they wait to conduct her at 5.23 a.m. for the uh, rising of the sun. Uh, about 5.22, uh, talk's, uh, exact, uh, clock. Uh, set perfectly, uh, wakes them up, lets them get ready. Milo takes it upon himself, though, to instead of getting the conductor, thinks, hey, I could do this myself. I could, I could rise the sun. Surely these guys know, uh, know what they're doing. 100%. So Milo goes ahead. He, uh, he starts raising his hand, and all of a sudden beautiful colors come up. He starts raising his hand, and more colors come up. And everything seems to be going well. But what kind of book would it be if everything worked out just as planned? Right. So um, <laughs> exactly. That's what makes this book great because things go wrong. One of my favorite things that I reread that I, I totally blanked on that. I didn't even remember this being a part of the book, but I'm glad I do remember now. Uh, Milo got a little too into it, got a little too excited. And all of a sudden uh, uh, things are getting brighter and brighter and brighter to the point where he got a little freaked out. Uh, why don't you go ahead and take it from there, Joe? What, yeah, what, what, so he, what happened? What happened? So he starts to freak out, and uh, the the more freaked out he gets, the more his arms kind of flail around, and the more his arms flail around, the more the colors go awry, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the the light takes on a purple quality. The uh, flowers turn pitch black, uh, so on and so forth, and. The longer he freaks out, he also he he starts kind of trying to signal to the orchestra to stop. Um, keep in mind, by the way, uh, at the end of the last chapter, we saw that the orchestra stops when the conductor puts his hands down, which Milo for some reason forgets, uh, probably because he's <laughs> panicked and he's a child. But uh, as he flaps, the the days begin to fly by very quickly, and so in the space of about four minutes, seven days pass. <laughs> the sun rises and sets, and uh, finally Milo puts his arms down in in something resembling defeat, and uh, is relieved to see that night is back. And he shouts out, "It's time to wake up!" <laughs> and uh, Chroma gets up and and he goes, "Ah, man, I I slept. What a great night of sleep! I feel like I slept for a whole week." <laughs> and uh, uh, of course, no one, no one but Milo knows. Not even the uh, uh, talk even managed to go back to sleep in those four minutes. And um, the, the only ones who would know are those who were awake during those strange four minutes that week, uh, <laughs> which is fantastic. And uh, 
Chroma, you know, he's he's mildly annoyed that he's he's uh, slept over four minutes, but he's like, ah, it's just four minutes. It's fine. Yeah. So he gets the day started just as normal, and, and he says, you know, Milo, uh, thanks for waking me up. Someday I'll give you a chance to con- conduct the orchestra if you'd like. <laughs> Which is great. Uh, yeah. Then they uh, they head out of the woods, uh, and uh, as they get out, they they see a fantastic little uh, wagon, I guess. Yeah, but it's like but, oh, go ahead. but but before that, Milo did get a gift. Oh yes, I forgot. They said goodbye to Alec uh, as they're leaving the forest of sight. Uh, Alec says, "You know, great traveling with you. Good to meet you." Uh, mm-hmm. here is a, it was a telescope, right? Yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll let you see what's real. Yeah. It's, uh, to quote the book, if I may. Oh, please do. Uh, through it, you can see everything from the tender moss in the sidewalk cracked, the glow and the farthest star. And more, some most important at all, you can see things as they really are, not just as they seem to be. It's my gift to you. Indeed. Which is fantastic, and I, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how that uh, plays in later. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's going to be fan- it's going to be wonderful. So it bears mentioning, hundred percent. Yes, no, it does absolutely. And I'm glad you glad you brought it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they throw it in the glove box and head out on their way. And the, they see a, a wagon that you would uh, I think associate in any any cartoon you might see nowadays. You would see this wagon and think, "Aha! This this is a snake oil salesman." <laughs> or you know somebody who's who's got a, a great story to tell but isn't particularly trustworthy. Yeah. And uh, on the side of the wagon is written. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, Cacophonous A Discord, Doctor of Dissonance. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they they go to knock on the door, and as they go to knock, they hear the sound of uh, a stack of plates crashing against uh, uh, a cobblestone floor. And uh, or stone floor, sorry. Yeah. And uh, I love uh, from uh, at the same time the door flew open, and from the dark interior, a hoarse voice inquired, "Have you ever heard a whole set of dishes dropped from the ceiling onto a hard stone floor?" <laughs> <laughs> and of course they haven't, because who's heard yeah. that? And he says, ah, "I didn't think you'd heard of that." Let me introduce myself. And so they, he invites him in, and he cacophonous he, uh, uh, a discord the doctor of dissonance is a man who's quite curious. He has ears the size of his head and a, uh, a thing like doctors wear with the little, the little mirror in the center so he can see better. Yep. Which is fascinating because he's, he's a doctor of sound. Uh, he doesn't need to see better. He just needs to hear. Yeah. And it's mostly bad sounds. Yes. He yeah. loves really uh, annoying sounds, mm-hmm. uh, really discordant sounds. Cacophonies, if you will, um, yes, which is just delightful, and um, they have some some back and forth, and uh, he tries to get them to take his medicine of of terrible sounds because he's decided that they're uh, they have a disease that only he can cure because he made it up. <laughs> they're uh, they don't have enough sound in their lives, yep, and uh, they they turn them down. They don't they don't need that that awful sounds and. Um, Oh, the terrible noises, as Milo says. And so he decides to give it to his partner, Din, which is a... Uh, uh, Din seems to be a djinn, like a genie. Um, and I, I was I was amused that the uh, the description of him was very similar to 
uh, the genie from Disney's Aladdin, mm-hmm. which I thought was a fun, you know, I, I don't know if they're related at all. If maybe the animators had read the book or something. Um, if they had, that'd be delight. I, I just, I would like that. That'd be a nice, nice connection. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Din is a being that there's, uh, you know, uh, as, as the book puts it, um, it's, it's something you always want to shut up. Yes. Um, and so it, it really enjoys the terrible noises and it goes every day. It's job is to go and collect sounds and bring them back to the doctor so he can make his medicine. Now, which pop quiz What does the A stand for? As loud as possible. <laughs> yeah. I like, uh, I like when Milo does kind of ask like what a din is and he kind of just gives like all those examples. Uh, um, when the neighbors are playing the radio too loud at late at night, what do you wish they turned down that awful din? Mm-hmm. Uh, when, uh, when a kid plays too loud in his room, when the streets on your block is being repaired and the pneumatic drills are working all day. Yeah, so it's it, it again. It, it's it's play on words that uh, this book does, and it, it does so well. Yeah, you know, um, it's really, really I didn't, yeah, well. Done. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just kind of, I just wanted. No, to not at all. And I was I was really I feel at the done at the end of it. Uh, yeah. they they of course head on their way and and are not you know they're not going the same way as the din. No. So. Yeah, we got Milo, who's uh, if you guys remember, is on his way to uh, Digitopolis. Yep. Um, I think they didn't really mention where the din was going, were they? Uh, it was the Valley of Sound, maybe? Something like that. No, uh, no, uh, Milo had to go through the Valley of Sound. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, you're right. Let's see here. Let me see here. Uh, Goodness, yeah, the din paused and, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, for then you must pass through the Valley of Sound. Is that bad? asked the perpetually worried humbug. The din paused in the doorway with a look of extreme horror on his almost featureless face, and the doctor shuddered in a way that sounded very much like a fast-moving freight train being derailed into a mountain of custard. Well, you might ask, for you will find out soon enough, was all he would say as he sadly bade them farewell, and the din galloped off on his rounds. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Den replied, picking up his uh, armful of empty sacks from the table. I am going on my noise collection rounds. You see, once a day I travel throughout the kingdom and collect all of the wonderful, horrible, and beautiful, unpleasant noises that have been made, pack them into a sack, and bring them back here for the doctor to make his medicines. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. so I guess just a normal generic round. But yeah, Milo's still on his way to Digitopolis, and uh, obviously Chapter 12 entitled The Silent Valley. What uh, is going to be our next chapter? Oh, so that's I'm, ex- I'm excited for it. Uh, again, uh, we're rolling into chapter twelve of twenty, so we're on the uh, back end of our story. Yeah, I wonder if the the chapters are going to continue to get bigger and bigger. <laughs> I don't know. That'll be interesting, <laughs> if though. Or they've reached their maximum. Yeah, level. like I said, I mean, th- these two are probably the biggest ones. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's very possible. Yeah. So. All right, Joey, you ready to play? Uh, you ready to play a little game here? You betcha! Awesome. Um, kind of similar to a game that we played uh, last year, uh, as I mentioned. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, a story about a, a haunting, um, a, a haunted place, a haunted person, a ghost, uh, uh, witches, ghouls, whatever. And uh, some of them are made up, some of them are real. We're going to do ten. 
Um, and all you got to do, man, is uh, tell me which um, which ones I made up, which ones are real. And just got to get five out of ten. All right. So uh, those of you who are listening, uh, feel free to play along if you want. Um, you ain't going to win anything, but, I mean, you know, I guess points, I guess. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so give me one second here. So let me do this. Cool. God, I need better pens. I don't know. How, how do you have a million pens and not one fucking works? Right. Goofy. So, uh, Joey, just like last time, uh, numbers one through ten. Uh, you just give me which number you want me to read. I will read it and uh, let me get the uh, let me get the page loaded up here real quick. So, cool. All right, give me a uh, give me a number one through ten, man. Uh oh, I got to keep track of this somehow. Uh, one. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you the numbers as I go, so you don't have to, you don't have to keep track. So one plus, you know, we got awesome sound effects. If you get it wrong, I could uh Ooh. uh. Avish Arma, if I pronounce that right. How you doing? Thank you for listening. Play along. I'm going to read some stories. All right. You chose number one. All right. So this one is called The Bogey Creek Monster. The uh, it might be boggy. I can't pronounce words. Or is it? <laughs> I'm going to try throwing you off. Don't worry about it. Uh, the Bogey Creek Monster of Folklore is Arkansas's version of the Sasquatch. Oh. He's commonly accepted to be around seven or eight feet tall and covered in hair. Legend says that he roams the creeks of rural Arkansas. He was first spotted in 1834 when people report seeing a wild man. People still claim to spot the Bogey Creek monster today, and it has been the subject of five feature-length films. Five? Including The Legend of Bogey Creek. Fantasy. Is it real, or did I make that shit up? I think that one's real. You think it's real, Joe? I do. It is real, Joe. Bogey Creek uh, Monster is a real thing. Good job, man. Awesome. Uh, I like that. That's. I, I want to know more. I want to see these movies. All of them? Yeah, well, at least the first one. <laughs> All right, uh, two through ten, Joe. Uh, six. Six. Okay, let me scroll down here. You know, down to the woolly swamp. All right, number six. Homie the clown. Homie? Homie the clown. Okay. Throughout the suburbs of Chicago in the 1990s, there was a rumor going around elementary schools. There was a creepy man dressed as Homie the clown. Driving around in a white van trying to lure kids into it with candy and money. Good lord. I think I think I've heard of Homie the Clown. And so I think I gotta say it's real. Or at least you didn't make it up. But man. I also know that like Homer Simpson was going to be uh, it was going to be revealed at some point that he was also crusty, mm. which is why they look the same. Yeah. Uh, and so I can see that being like fake. I'm going to say it's real. I'm going to say it's real. Ooh. Sound effects, right? I told it you. It is positive. You got it right, Joe. You're good. 
Good, nice. good. All right. Uh, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, three. Three, 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 three. All right, the Grunch. The Grunch. The Grunch. Don't make fun of me. No, I'm not. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm saying this right. It looks like lunch, but with gr. Yeah, Grunch. Grunch Road is an old dirt road that leads deep into the woods and eventually to a dead end. It was a favorite place for teenagers to go and do whatever teenagers do until they learned about the Grunch. The Grunch is rumored to be a group of deformed half-human, half-monsters that resulted from years of isolation. In present day, it is said that if you find yourself on Grunch Road, don't get out of your car if you see the goat who looks injured. The story says that the Grunch used goats to lure people out of their cars so that they could eat them and drain their blood. The Grunch. I have never heard of this. But I think I gotta say it's real. You think something called the Grunch is real? Yeah, I don't know why. My gut my gut says it is. Like you're a mean one, Mr. Grunch? Yeah. It's real, Joe. It's in Louisiana. Really? Mm -hmm. That sounds like something that would be from Louisiana. 100%. Uh, 2, 4, 5, 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh, 8. 8. So, number 8. The Witch of Heart Hollow. The Witch of Heart Hollow. Agnes, and I'm trusting you're not looking these up. No, I'm not. Good man. Good man. Uh... Avis Sharma, again, you're welcome to play if you want. Uh, the Witch of Heart Hollow. Agnes Adams was an infamous lady to be tried for witchcraft multiple times. Uh, Agnes ultimately was tried for the final time and put to death. She was stabbed through the heart and burned alive. For 250 years, people have lived through misfortunes and blamed Agnes for it. For example, a ballroom filled with aristocrats, burned down with no survivors, even though the ballroom was within 300 feet from the nearest fire station. People blamed Agnes for the doors being locked and no alarms going off at the fire station. Gosh. I think that that's fake. But damned if it doesn't sound familiar as hell. You think I made that up? You think I I made made it it up? up? I think you made it up. Because Agnes is also the name of the witch in um, WandaVision. No, it's Agatha, isn't it? I know it's not Agnes. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you saying? I'm going to say it's fake. I'm saying you made it up. Good job, Joe. What'd you base it off of, though? Ah, uh, fuck. What the hell? Uh, it was a different witch story. Uh, give me one second. I can actually look it up and tell you. Since we got time, we got all the time in the world. Hey, Forsaken joined us. Creepy fucking photo, bro. Lady, ma'am, maybe lady. I don't fucking know. Them. Grunch. Is it a fucking grunch? Uh, I gotta look. Now no, I gotta find it because it's gonna bug me. Hold on, 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 hold on. No, that's not it. 
Oh, that's not it. I'm on this website that gives you uh, the amazing uh, urban legends from each state. Oh, all right. I want to say it was uh, it was a Massachusetts, New Hampshire. That's what it was. It was in New Hampshire. So let me find New Hampshire. New Hampshire. That's New Mexico. I'm close though. That's New Jersey. I'm so fucking close. There we go. Uh, the Witch of Hampton, Goody Cole. Eunice oh. Goody Cole was the only woman in New Hampshire history to be tried for witchcraft. She, uh, When she died, her body was recovered. The townspeople were rumored to drive a stake through her heart to prevent her from haunting their town. Jesus. People blamed Goody Cole for misfortunes for over 300 years. For example, a boat full of Hampton residents overturned and everyone board drowned, even though they were swimming distance of shore. People blame Goody Cole for the crash and for cursing the passengers to have them forget how to swim. Jeez. All right. Yes. All right. Uh, Joe, you're doing great, man. You're you're four for four. Uh, you got to win one more. So uh, you're, you're probably going to do great. I, I want to get a clean sweep off you here, bro. That'd be awesome. I, oh, it's Angie. Awesome. So you're the one I need to talk to if I want to find a plumber. And uh, I need some good reviews, right? <laughs> I hope she knows that Angelus is a Angelus. thing. Or else it's just an awkward joke. Okay, right, Joe. Uh, 245710. The story of White Lady Lane is a tragic one. The legend states that a young woman became pregnant out of wedlock and her religious parents forced her to marry the father. The baby ended up dying after their wedding. The girl was so upset about her baby and forced and her forced marriage, hung herself from a bridge in her wedding dress. Locals claim to still see her ghost hanging from that bridge. Ooh. Man. Sorry, I'm just I'm thinking really hard about it. No, it's fine, man. Lisa, I got all the time in the world. Yeah. What a creepy I I really like that. That sounds very creepy. And I enjoy the what, women women in white are probably my favorite fucking stories. Yeah, I don't know why. Because there's so many of them. Yeah, it could be it. Like everyone has their own lady in white version. Yeah. There's also a lot of made up stories about women in white. Right. Not to deter you from any of your choices, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that that is, well, gosh, but why would that be? Hmm. What's your, what's your mindset here, Joe? Wait, what, what, what's, what's, what's kind of, thing, I'm, I'm feeling, I, my gut says it's real. My gut says yeah. you didn't make it up. Gotcha. But you, you did also say that, that white lady ghosts were your, like uh, lady and white ghosts were your favorites. Yeah, but I say a lot of things. I know, I know. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with my gut. I'm gonna go with my gut. You're gonna go with real? Yeah. Oh my god! (laughs) I can't believe I got that one right. I was picking it because there's so many like urban legends about it. Like you, like it's exactly what you thought. I assumed that you would think I made it up because there's just so fucking many of them. Mm -hmm. All right, two, four, five, seven, or ten. 
two. Two. All right. Angie, I want you to play along on this one. Just tell me if you think it's real or fake. Uh, number two. Uh, Boy Scout Disappearance. A group of scouts went out for an annual scouting trip to a local campsite known as Pioso Mountain Campsite. The trip was supposed to be a four-day trip, turned out to be a trip nobody returned from. After a few days of no response from scouts or troop leaders, people started to become alarmed. Many people from the area arrived at the site and began a statewide, a site-wide search. Over the course of 21 days, not one person from the trip was found, and nobody has till this day. Pioso Mountain Campsite Boy Scouts disappeared, never to be seen again. I think for that one, I uh, I think you made it up, but I also think that it's a pretty common urban legend. But I'm still gonna say I think you made it up. Which number was that? Uh, two. Those two. I was like, why the fuck did I circle seven for some reason? Okay. Fucking crushing it, Joe. We got four more, man. This is it. Just four more. All right. Uh, four, five, seven, ten. I want to know, wait, before we move on, where did you make that up from? I just made it up. Oh, you just made it up? Yeah. There's a lot. Where's, Roanoke. What's what's Pioso Mountain? I've never even. It's a, it's a campsite out in fucking Nevada. Oh, all right. Dope. Yeah. I, just, I liked it. I just took the idea of Roanoke. That was yeah. it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, noticed that, I noticed that these all could be potential choices for the Freaky Tales book that maybe one day we'll actually write. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Uh, four, five, seven, ten. Let's do seven. Seven. Uh, seven. Let's see here. I'm gonna pick, I want to pick some ones that really fuck with your head. Yeah. Or am I? Okay. Uh, the death of Ju- Julie Ligari. In the 1800s, the Ligaris were a well-to-do South Carolina family that had homes on the mainland and on Edisto Island. The daughter, Julia, got sick and was pronounced dead and was buried inside their family mausoleum. Years later, another member of the Ligari family died. And when their tomb was opened up, the remains of Julie were found outside of her coffin. The story says that Julie has been in a coma and had woken up to try and escape her tomb, but sadly died. After the reopening of the Ligari mausoleum, the door can't seem to stay shut. The Ligaris tried multiple different doors, and every single time the door was found open. People believe that the ghost of Julie didn't want to be locked in that tomb any longer. Ooh. Real or fake? That's a real good one. I think that's real. You think it's real? I think it's real. My gut says it's real, but I, I love it. Good job, Joe. You're fucking crushing it, man. What number was that? Seven. Seven. I kind of just gave up on fucking doing this shit. Four, <laughs> five, four, five, or ten. Let's do four. Four. Okay. Uh, the boy in the bathroom. Boy in the bathroom. Yeah. 
The Pine Haven School, located in Jamestown, is old and abandoned and is said to be haunted. A tragic story supposedly took place there where a boy was cornered by a group of bullies in the bathroom and shoved into a mirror, which shattered and killed him. To avoid getting caught committing murder, the, bull, the, bull, yeah, the bullies decided to bury the body underneath the floorboards. Today, people say that if you go inside the school, you can hear the reflection of the boy. You can see the reflection of the boy if you look in the mirror. Hmm. I think that that's fake. But I really like it a lot. It feels like something that could be real, but I think it's fake. Is that what you want to go with, Joe? Yeah. No! Oh, you tried, Joe. That was That's not a clean saying. sweep, but... Close. It was close. Yeah. That one, uh, what was it based out of? Fun. Uh, scroll back up. Scroll back up. Tennessee. Ah, all right. Yeah. All right, what's the next one, Joe? Five. Five. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. All right, Squirrel Sam. Squirrel Sam. Squirrel Sam. Following severe damage due to a violent hurricane, the patients at Polk Mental Hospital, Polk like James K. Polk. Polk. Yeah, all right. Polk, okay. Polk Mental Hospital were forced to be transferred to a new facility. A train carrying 30 patients and 15 employees consisting of doctors and nurses derailed and crashed. Upon completing the investigation of the crash, officials have determined that there was only one body unaccounted for. Sam Norman has presumed survived the crash and lived his life hidden in the woods outside of town. Though never been seen by adults, many children have mentioned meeting a new friend named Squirrel Sam while walking through the woods. Nice. I think it's fake, but I really, that's so good. I'm going to say fake. You want to go with fake, John? I do. That was real. It was based off of the Bunny Man in Virginia. Oh, all right. The Bunny Man's legends start with what every good urban legend starts with in the same asylum. The people of Clifton were so up in arms about the asylum that they were able to get all the patients transferred. The patients were being moved on a bus that crashed. The police were able to catch all the patients except for one, the Bunny Man. According to the tale, the bunny man lived in the woods and sustained himself on woodland creatures like bunnies, but eventually he attacked humans. Some people reported being attacked by a man with a hatchet. Other tales say that a group of teens would see a bright light and then would wind up dead and strung up over a bridge. It always seems to be a bridge. Yeah, something about bridges. Bridges always killing people, man. Mm. Bridges and tunnels. Okay. All right, we got one more? Yep, 10, I think, right? Uh, I just had it. Where the hell did it go? I don't think it's done. Nope, that's not it. Come on, come on. I just fucking had it. <laughs> the frozen people. 
First appearing in a diary that was published in the late 1800s, a legend of a hibernating old people recounts the tale of a poor family outside of Montpierre who couldn't afford to feed and clothe the oldest members of their family. So they froze the people and buried them. According to the tale, when spring rolled around, the elders thawed out and were just fine. I think this. I think you made this one up, but I've heard the one it's based off of. You've heard the one it's based off. Of. Yeah, I can't remember what it's what the name of it is, but I I the details don't match what I remember. So I think I think you made it up. Oh, it's real. Oh, it is real, Holmes. Oh man. Um, I wouldn't make up something that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> About people freezing, coming back to life. That's some Eskimo yeah. bullshit. Uh, there was one more I did want to share that I thought was pretty cool. Not part of the game. I just wanted to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, let's see. Where the fuck is it? Uh, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. Jersey Devil. That's so overplayed. Uh, Area 51, who gives a fuck? <laughs> I actually been on a different, uh... The Story of Sacrifice Cliff out in Montana. What? Sacrifice Cliff? Yeah. The Story That's of Sacrifice... Yeah. The Story of Sacrifice Cliff comes from the old Native American legend. Two members of the Crow tribe arrived in their village from a trip to find that almost everyone there has been infected with smallpox, smallpox and died. So heartbroken about the loss of their loved ones, the two decide to blindfold their horses and ride off the cliff to join the tribe on the other side. Sacrifice Cliff is visible from almost anywhere in Billings, so it's sad and a bit spooky to think that this story, while the cliff is looming over the entire city. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. A little bit creepy. It reminds me of a uh, Lover's Leap out in the Star of Brock. Never heard about that. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll say it's what I'm geeking on this week. Or, sorry, what I'm freaking thinking about <laughs> <laughs> what the 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 the, the, the fucking uh, love love cliff you did what the fuck did you say? Uh, when when we get to the segment, uh, love gotcha. leap is the name of it. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I'm not I'm not freaking thinking about that specifically, but I'll I'll get to it. Excellent. Um, all right, Joe. Uh, we made it to uh, my favorite <clears throat> part of the show. And that is uh, freaky tales, where Freak Joe kind of takes over and. And gales us with uh, with a time old uh, tale and shit. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to mute my mic. I'm going to step back and uh, I'm going to let you uh, kind of take it from here. The Spindly Man by Stephen Graham Jones. They let us use the community center to talk about books. It made sense. What I was doing it was pretty much community service, not the kind mandated by a judge. This was more self-imposed. Eight months ago, not drunk or in a rush or driving through the rain, I'd skipped through a stop sign after picking my son up from third grade, ran us into a furniture truck. Jeremy didn't die against the dashboard that day, but the surgeries are still coming. His prom date, she's going to have to look inside to see the real him. 
In quick succession, then, I flamed out of my year-to-year contract at our branch of the state university, was back to stocking tools and air conditioners at night. And this, talking about books. More and more, I was thinking it was the only good thing I had in me, my only real gift. And that, if I didn't share it, then the next time one of Jeremy's bills came due, my wife's dad wasn't going to come through with a check, or the surgeon that day was going to have to have had one too many drinks at lunch. I'd put up a flyer at the library, the laundromat, the car wash, both coffee shops. There were seven of us, most Wednesdays. This week, we were reading Stephen King again. Marcy from the bank had recommended him because, she said, she was too scared to read him alone. So we went with her into those dark places. Well, I'd already been, but I toured them through. through. The life, the times, the legend, and then passed a photocopied story out for next week. For this week. The story was The Man in the Black Suit. It was about a nine-year-old kid a century ago, just out fishing one day, then encountering the devil, barely getting away. It had some resonance to it, but no real gore. What I planned to tell the group was about was that how it worked was it was taking this kid's blind faith, America's stubborn Christianity, and making it real all at once. So really, the story was a confirmation a celebration. The old man who had been the boy, the old man writing this down in his diary, he was one of the lucky ones, the ones who never had to doubt if angels and demons were real. He knew. So the study question, it was going to be which is better, to know or not to know. And yes, of course, Jeremy was nine that day I picked him up from third grade. He was a year older than his classmates. I'd taught in China for a year when there were no jobs here, but his age didn't mean anything to him yet. And he was probably going to be uh, two years behind. But alive. That's the epithet I kept tagging onto everything. But alive. As in, this could all be worse. I should be thankful for whatever fell on me next. Since my shift started at 9, we usually met at 6, dinner time. Each week, a different person would bring a casserole, pass out the plates. This week, it was Lou's turn. He was retired Air Force, and he'd taken a stack of paperbacks with him on both tours in 72. That he was the only one in his bunkhouse who would stay awake reading. He brought chicken dumplings in a crock pot. Aside from him and Marcy, she of the bank, there was Drake, a straight-laced city planner, the one who told us about the community center. There was Evelyn, who always brought her crocheting but hardly ever said anything, and Jackie and her daughter Gwen, a junior in high school. They are very much against her will for a taste of what literature was going to be like in college. In the flyer, I'd of course mentioned my background. So we were a healthy group of bookworms, a good mix of backgrounds and ages anyway, if not very diverse. When the dumplings were gone and adequately praised, we put our plates under our chairs and dove into King because it was his night for food, but you could tell he felt responsible for the discussion as well. Lou pinched his jeans up his thighs, leaned forward like telling us a secret, and said he hopes none of the ladies took a fright to this particular story. Evelyn tittered, her needle flashing, and I got the sense that one of these nights Lou was going to ask her for coffee afterwards, and she was going to suggest the perfect place. Scared me, Drake said. He was still wearing his tie from the day's work. Not loosened or anything. Me too, I lied, not uh, just to not leave him hanging. While King had stories that were terrifying, this one was, in comparison, safe. 
By burying the nine-year-old story in the frame of an old man's journal, it was locating the devil in another time, another place. One far, far from us. Jackie elbowed her daughter just enough to get her to talk. You could tell right away who he was from the eyes. Those eyes, Jackie said, seconding her daughter's motion. How'd he see out of them? Lou said, leaning back, crossing his arms. I nodded. I was liking this. The good thing about voluntary book discussions is that I don't have to play dentist. Getting people to talk is not like pulling teeth. Because they were... Because there were flames in his eye sockets, right? Marcy said. We all nodded as if seeing the devil again, as King had drawn him. Tall, neatly dressed in a black suit. Subtle claws at the ends of his fingertips. Instead of eyes, just orange, flickering flames. And a mouth that could tell well past what any human jawbone would allow. Could, would open well past what any human jawbone would allow. And the teeth those teeth. Maybe he doesn't have to subscribe to our rules of biology, I said, looking around the circle for support. He has to eat, Gwen said, all on her own. He eats that fish, right? It's not a human hunger, though, Lou said, just doing it for meanness, like, to show off, scare that kid. Good, good, I said, wanting to stand because that's the main way I know how to think. But remember, this is 80 years ago for this old man, remembering it now. What would you say if I offered that he just encountered a bad man in the woods that day then? Because of his upbringing, he started to remember him as the devil, started to add the stuff he knew from Sunday school, claws, flames, teeth. He does fall asleep before it all happens, Evelyn said, hooking another stitch, pulling it through. She was our cynic. But is it, is it any less scary if it's a dream or if it's a real? Marcy asked. Or even if it's just a serial killer? Jackie added. That's pretty scary too, isn't it? Damn straight, Lou said, clapping his knee. But for every killer, there's a cop, right? I asked, shrugging nods all the way around. This is what they would have been paying for had they been paying. So follow me now. If there's devils, then there's also more devils, Gwen said. Kids, Marcy corrected. He means angels, Evelyn said, stabbing with a needle. I nodded like I'd been caught, was about to shift gears into my thesis when Lou said, but who wants to read a story about an angel, right? I lowered my face to smile. He was right. And when I looked back up to the group, the twin doors on the other side of the gym were opening up. Because they were on cylinders, were designed to not crush fingers, we all got the guy's outline before we got him. He was tall, spindly, top-hatted. His dark suit ragged at the edges and not quite long enough for his, long, for his legs or arms. For an instant, his eyes flashed, taking my breath away. But in the next instant, he was wearing a pair of those old pince-nez, their twin lenses catching the light. Beside me, Gwen flinched. Jackie took her hand, pulled it across to her own lap. Speak of the... Lou said just loud enough for the book circle and chuckled. The spindly man hooked a stray chair by the door, dragged it all the long way across the wood floor of the gym to meet us, and set it down opposite me. Room for one more? he asked. How'd you hear about us? I said, trying to sound casual. He gave me a smile and a wink, then flapped open a much-folded piece of paper. One of my flyers, all of which I was pretty sure I'd collected once we'd had a quorum. 
Looks like he's invited, Evelyn said. A scarf, the spindly man said about her crochet job. Don't know just yet, Evelyn said. Definitely a challenge in her voice for all of us. We had a rhythm, had already relaxed in our assigned roles. The spindly man's eyes made a circuit of our little circle, lingering maybe a touch too long on Gwen, then launching two fingers off his right eyebrow and salute to Lou. Even the money handlers, he said about Marcy. And you, she said right back to him, like he wasn't the first ordinary customer she'd had to deal with. Just happened to be strolling by, he said, refolding the flyer, stuffing it in the waist pocket of his vest. What's the story, Doc? He said then, right to me. I breathed in, breathed out. Evidently, we were doing this. Stephen King, I said, then pointedly, the man in the black suit. Ah, the smiley man said, his eyes on Gwen again. The king man cometh. I know him well, you could say. We were just talking about how if you admit devils, Drake said, then that means the door must be open for angels as well. Or more demons, the smiley man said, sitting back into his chair. Inside every angel, there's a demon waiting to claw out, right? But please, don't let me interrupt. And so we went valiantly forward, just with not much heart. Instead of listening or contributing, the spindly man extracted Marcy's plate from under her chair, then used his finger to scoop her thin layer of leftover dumplings into his wide mouth. I heard myself traipsing back through Hawthorne's young Goodman Brown for the group, trying to establish it as the literary antecedent for King this time out. Upon hearing Hawthorne, Jackie, of course, made Gwen recite what she knew about the Scarlet Letter. It gave the spindly man more excuse to stare her up and down, to and this was the only word for it, malinger. But, I started, not at all sure where I was going, just that I had to pull his eyes off of Gwen. The smiley man was already speaking, though. Go into the forest. Taste the intangible. You come back with the story, never the proof. Am I right? Silence. Welcome to the land of crickets, I said in my head, quoting out one of my former students. Lou coughed an old man cough deep in his chest. Marcy scuffed her shoes on the gym floor. Drake stared into his lap, fingers drumming some arcane, personal rhythm against each other. Good, I said at last. Proof. It's what we were talking about before you got here. If you can prove the, last, uh, prove the vital tenets of a religion, then you lose the possibility of faith. So King's man in this black suit, by showing this boy that he was real, he also cored out the boy's eventual leap of faith, leaving him to lead a hollow life, as established by all the years between 9 and 90, being, as far as we can see on the page, empty, devoid of content, not interesting enough to paraphrase. Sometimes you have to knock a student down with preparation. The spindly man grinned a sharp grin. Proof, he said. We've all got proof, man. I bet every one of us has a story like this kid's. Don't we? Nobody said no. You, he said to Marcy. You've seen the devil, haven't you? We usually don't, I tried, but he held a hand out to me like a crossing guard might, his palm and fingers straight up. Worse... I actually stopped. I don't know what it was, Marcy said. 
The spindly man smiled, lowered his hand. We were 12, Marcy said. I told my mom I was staying at Reese's, and she said she was staying at my house. You know, so we were going to camp under the old windmill. It was a dare. Dare, dare, the smiley man urged. Of course we didn't sleep, Marcy said, her eyes flashing up to Jackie in something like apology, as if she were being a bad influence on Gwen here. Then about two or three in the morning, our flashlights both died at once, and we looked up the side of the windmill. The moon was bright that night and right above us. No, Lou said, and I looked to him. Did he know where the story was going? And then, coming down the side of the windmill, already about ten feet from the top, I, I don't know, there, there was somebody, okay? Maybe it was just a jacket a worker had left tied up there. Because they always do that, the spindly man said. We ran, Marcy said. We ran and we ran, and he was behind us the whole way. We just knew. And you came back with the story, the spindly man said. That's your proof. Good. Do we think she's lying, folks? Is her story enough for you? Or do you need to have scars on her back from sharp fingernails? Or a dead friend who wasn't quite fast enough? She did die, Marcy said, her voice cracking a bit. Later that year, got hit on the highway trying to go, we didn't know where, oh God. She turned her head, balancing tears in her eyes. And you, the spindly man said to Lou. Me, Evelyn said uncharacteristically. One night, coming home from bringing dinner to my husband on the night shift, I noticed the fuel gauge was too far in the red. And there were only cotton fields between me and home, and there were these wild packs of dogs that year. My cousin had already been mauled by then, but then, right when the engines, engines sputtered, a pair of headlights popped on in my rear view and stayed there all the way until I pulled into the driveway. And then the car died. An angel, Gwen said. Evelyn just stared at the spindly man. Next, he said, no humor in his voice at all. Who are you anyway? Lou said. Somebody who needs proof, the spindly man said. Of what? Lou said, the intangible, the spindly man over-enunciated. You know. I don't have to tell you, Lou said. I never even told my wife. Of course, of course, the spindly man said, all manners now. Just leave Marcy running home through the darkness all alone. Lou looked from the spindly man to Marcy, then to me. So maybe I saw something once, he said. Just to have control again, I nodded for him to continue. The spindly man shifted his chair in anticipation. We were at... Well, it doesn't matter, Lou started off. Way past the DMZ, the, the demilitarized zone. Deep. No support. Somebody was shooting at us from a fortified position, so we were ventilated. We ventilated his little roost, and he stopped shooting like you have to. Because you're dead. Exactly, the spindly man said. The dead don't shoot. Of course they don't. What is this? Television? Lou wasn't listening to him anymore, though. Only once we broke cover, the dead sniper, he came back up over the lip of his little parapet. Except, I was the only one to see it, he was still dead. And there was another man up there with him, moving that dead sniper's arms like a puppet, putting his finger on the trigger. We lost three more men that day. And you made it home, the smiley man said. Good for you. You're living, breathing proof of the intangible. You saw it, respected it, and were given your life in return. Who else now? 
There was Jackie, Gwen, Drake, and me. When her father died, Jackie started, her hand gripping Gwen's knee, but then Drake cut in. I used to lie in my bed all night. I knew there weren't any monsters in the closet or under the bed. That was stupid. But outside, outside was much bigger. It is, it is, the smiley man said, smiling again, lips thin enough as to hardly even be there at all. So one night, Drake said, one night I decided I was going to call it, call it out. My, my fear, I mean. I was going to get up, go to my window, peek out the corner. If nobody was there, then it was all in my head. But then, when I pulled the curtain aside, there was a pair of eyes looking back at me. The smiley man laughed in his chest. Jackie gripped Gwen's hand harder. It was my own reflection, Drake said then, right to the spindly man. It was proof I was being stupid, that I was a kid. Does that count? Did it feel stupid? The spindly man asked. Or did you sleep in your parents' room that night? Drake didn't say anything, just drummed his fingers. After my husband passed over, Jackie said then, speaking for her and Gwen both evidently, we could hear something in the garage some nights. Mom, Gwen said, trying to shut her up. And one time, I finally went out there with a spatula. To scramble some brains, the smiley man said. There was a puppy, Jackie said. He'd left us a puppy. The garage door was open, Mom, Gwen said. And tell me, the smiley man said. Did you keep it, this puppy? Are you giving it unmonitored access to your house now? Unmonitored, Lou said, defensive. Who knows what our pets to, are up to when we're away, the spindly man said, angling his narrow face over at me now. They could stand up on two legs, walk all around, sniff at the vents for things only a dog could smell living up there. Waiting up there. Stop, Evelyn said. The spindly man was still watching me. Good professor, he said. I looked from face to face of the group. This wasn't at all where I'd meant this discussion to go, but I had to admit what we were doing. It was showing what we brought up, what we brought to the story, which had to reveal, in part, the means by which it had got to us, like an archetypal well of shared stories. One king had the savvy to tap into. We all had a devil on our back trail. Or in my case, in front of me. <sighs> The day of the wreck, I said, swallowing loudly, at least in my ears. The driver of the furniture truck. I, I don't think he was a person. Not anymore. I think he'd been waiting all day just to cross that intersection. He was, he was smiling when we hit him. And you don't smile, do you? What kind of person smiles when a kid's about to get disfigured for life? Jackie reached across Gwen to pat my thigh. Now, the smiley man said to the group, the good doctor here. Do you actually believe a man in a black suit was driving that truck that day? Or has his own memory and guilt altered his memory of it? This is over, I said, standing, my chair scraping away from me. It was too loud in the tight gym, too sudden, and I didn't care. But, Marcy said, he's right, Lou said, standing as well, his eyes with mine. The soldier, always looking for someone to guard. It was so cliched, so stupid and I was so thankful for him. He went around collecting plates, everybody else standing to help, to arrange. Everybody except the spindly man. He hadn't moved from his chair. He was just letting the group course around him. His arms crossed like he was in a pout and wanted us to know it. 
As was custom in our little group, I stayed in what had been our circle, shook hands and gripped shoulders. It made me feel like the captain going down with the ship. Lou held onto my hand longer than he had to, pulled me close. You good, he said, meaning the spindly man. I'm golden, I said and smiled to prove it, then ducked my head for Evelyn to drape her just-made scarf around my neck. She pecked me on the cheek. Drake shook my hand, and the last one through the double doors was Gwen. She looked back at me, her eyes plaintive almost, like she was telling me no. I raised my hand in farewell. Behind me, the spindly man coughed into his hand. We have to leave now, I told him. Thought it went till eight, he said, standing to face me. Not tonight. When I reached for his chair to put it up, he took it instead, jerked it away. Good selection, he said. The man in the black suit. I identify with it, you could say. You never told us your proof, I said, of the intangible. We were standing at center court. Some of us don't need proof, he said, measuring his words. But tonight, next campfire I find myself at, I might tell the riveting story of the book group. The one who didn't know what they were playing with. The one who thought stories are just made up. What do you think, Doc? I got a winner there. Tonight was a horror story for us, I told him, more than a little proud of myself for coming up with that. Not you. So I take I'm uninvited, he said. Will that stop you? I said back. He looked to the dark gym behind me, to get me to look as well, it seemed. I didn't. I wouldn't. Maybe tonight's story isn't even over yet, he said. Then, before I could reply, he was pushing back into the double doors. Tell Captain Lewis, thank you, if you will, for the dish. And for remembering. Remember, I started, but now he was tipping his hat, bowing out. Gone. I finally breathed, and looked behind me now that I could. The whole gym was dark, a patchwork of deeper and deeper shadows. At work tonight, there was going to be walls and walls of shadows, I knew. Me moving silently through them with a cart, a dolly, a back brace, a broken sun. One I was so grateful for, it hurt. I wanted to cry, I think. Instead, I straightened the spindly man's chair. It was already straight, but I wanted to make it straighter. Next, I turned, like always, to nod by to the ghost of the book group, to thank it for keeping me sane, for letting me give back, pay my dues. Then I walked across the thick blue sideline for the double doors that would lock comfortably behind me, and only looked up when I was almost there to the crash bars, the door handles. Two points of flame flickering in the reflection. My back straightened and I gulped air as quietly as I could. Behind me, the spindly man, he'd crept around to a side door, let himself in, was standing behind me now, his fingertips extending into claws, his rows of teeth glistening against each other, his eyes on fire. I jerked back from the reflection. It was a stupid move, should have sent me straight into his chest. Only nothing. I even looked again, which is always the first mistake, the first step onto that slippery slope. Just emptiness behind me. The whole gym. Nobody. I spun back around to the doors, sure he'd got around me somehow, would be waiting. It was just me. I nodded that I was being stupid, that I was scaring myself like Drake had been talking about, and took another step forward. The orange eyes faded in again. 
I shook my head no. No. The eyes did, too. And then, like I had to, I cupped my hand over the right side of my face and then lowered that hand, covered my other eye. It was me. I was the devil. I am the devil, the one smiling behind the wheel that day. In Stephen King's story, the kid's dad's looking over his shoulder into the tangled woods. He's cueing in to some indistinct rustling in the trees, some smell, some evil presence. My face was lost in the brush, though. He couldn't see me, hunched over and grinning, my face wet with tears, my tongue, my split tongue, reaching up to dab them off my cheek. Run, I'd said to that kid, that nine-year-old, or I'd tried to with every trick I had. If he stayed, then something might happen to him, something bad. But it does, anyway. The End Good job, Joe. <clears throat> that was creepy, and I'm not sure I understood it. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's one of the things where I try to find, I want to try to find stories that, I mean, they're obviously not too long, not too short. You like, try to find that median 15, 20 minutes, something like that. Mm -hmm. And stories I've never heard before. Yeah. Like when we started doing this, like we did a lot of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier the Mark Twain and everything, and they're great stories. Um, I mean, you can't you can't sit there and say that you don't enjoy hearing, you know, Telltale Heart, The Raven. Uh, the, he did that one, uh, the Pendulum one. Oh yeah, the, the Pendulum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Poe, amazing. And I have no doubt we might do a Poe one again uh, this year. Uh, I guess it just depends on how many episodes we kind of pump out here in October. Right. Um, Telltale Clock. Uh, heart, I think. Telltale, mean, telltale Heart. No, he said Clock. I'm, I'm, what, what the fuck is the Telltale Clock? I need to know. Oh, I don't know. Coltrane. He's right. Of course he's right. He's Joe, man. <laughs> Joe, do no wrong. But yeah, Telltale Heart uh, is one of my favorites. Raven, I think it's. I think Raven tops it though. But um, the dude has the ability. The freak Joe liked the show. I thought I was trying to like the comment, but that's no. Nope. Look at you, you selfish fuck. <laughs> um, like liking your own status on Facebook. <laughs> but that's uh, that's what I love about Algon okay, Pose. Like the dude puts together these amazing stories that you could get through in like five minutes, but they're amazingly uh, written, and they like they give you chills. Like it's it's like the one you just read, right? Like it's eerie. It's fu it's so fucking eerie, and the fact that you could do that just by listening to a story, mm -hmm. it's phenomenal. And I think that's what makes it a great story. And I, um, I know, like I said, I know I picked a few. I think I picked like at least four of them. Um, but if we do more of these lives and we get a couple more episodes out of it, like we may get a couple more episodes out of Freaky Tales, and there may be some more stories. Yeah, why not? So people like Coltrane and Nadia, who or Nada, Naida. I'm gonna go Naida. Mm. Naida, um, how do you have to sit there and listen? There you go. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you guys, uh, I love literature and I miss it very much. Why not? Yeah, uh, well, uh, throughout the entire month of October, we do this freaky show where Cartoon Joe uh, reads us a story. So uh, if you go back into our archives, you follow us here on Podbean, you go back to our, uh, our, yeah, our, 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 
I don't fucking know. Joe, you said our archives. Thank you. I almost messed it up just then. I know, right? <laughs> our 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 archives. If you, go, if you go back through our archives, uh, any episode you see in October, nine times out of ten is going to be a freaky tale. Joe's going to be reading something, uh, and we've been doing this since uh, 2015. Yeah, 16, yeah. I believe that's no, right. we didn't. We didn't do it in 2015. We did it in 2016. I think. I think freaky, uh, freaky show didn't show up until 16. But still, five years, four years, whatever. Six years. I don't fucking know. Yeah, we are. We're a long, a long time. True. Are we at? Are we at six years now? I think so. Oh shit! Happy anniversary, bro. Yeah, you too. <laughs> six years of podcasting. Ah, uh, let's see here. Robert, the pedophile from the Pedophile Network. What? Don't love that. Don't love that at all. Not quite <laughs> sure what that was going on there. Yeah. English pronunciation suck. I 100% agree. Where are you from, uh, Naida? I'm going to take a brief pause to get to know some of you guys just because uh, we got ready to wrapping up here. Damn, that's a while. Yeah, congrats. Thanks, Coltrane. Yeah, six years. Uh, what, 235 episodes, I think. I think we're at. That sounds right. Yeah. Most podcasts never make it past eight. Yeah, Proud we crushed it. it. We Proud fucking crushed that. Uh, it's a troll. Oh, that makes sense. Robert the pedophile from the pedophile. Well, yeah, it's, you know, I can see that being a troll. Uh, yeah. What do I care? He uh, he liked uh, he liked my show and shared my show. So hey, I guess whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks for being here. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. So if you guys if you guys do enjoy what we're doing here, uh, even though you, you kind of caught like the last back end of it, this is actually our second live we did today. Um, so, uh, if you guys want to follow us on Facebook, uh, that's where we kind of announce when we're doing stuff like this, uh, when we have an opportunity and it kind of opened up a little bit more now that summer's over, when we get together on a Friday morning, we can do a couple hours of live stream. So when you guys are free, maybe around this time, maybe a little bit earlier, I don't know where you guys are based in the world. Cause we get listeners from overseas and some local and stuff like that. Uh, just keep a lookout, and uh, we'll be here doing lives and everything. And like I said, throughout the month of October, uh, if you do like literature and hearing stories, Alabama, fuck yeah. I just watched Forrest Gump the other day for the first time in like a decade. So uh, nice. I hope you're near Greenbow, uh, hoping uh, you you run away from your problems like Forrest taught us. <laughs> oh, no. Well, then you're probably from the shitty part of Alabama, like non-Greenbow. I don't know what. What else is in what? 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 What's the what? What's the fucking capital of Alabama? It's not Savannah. That's Georgia. Birmingham. Mobile. Is it Mobile? Oh, is it Mobile. Birmingham? Is it Mobile? I don't know. Come on, Joe. You're supposed to be a smart one. I don't know American geography. <laughs> Colton, what's the capital of uh, Alabama? I want to say it's Mobile. I mean, it could be. Right. It could be Birmingham. Birmingham sounds right. Can you pay me a Birmingham? No, I'm kidding. Montgomery. Oh, no shit. Yeah, both wrong. Yeah, you were closer though, because it starts with an M. <laughs> if only life worked that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, make sure you check out this freaky show throughout the entire month of October because we talk nothing but Halloween and stuff uh, throughout the month of October. And the freak Joe here, who shares uh, these four weeks with me, so Cartoon Joe can kind of take a little break, reads us uh, an elegant story of literature. So. Uh, Naida, you uh, you can sit there and enjoy literature. 
Mm-hmm. Through uh, the the uh, the the this freaky show Audible version of Audible, yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> Joe, what uh, we freaking thinking about? So, as promised, uh, Maddie, uh, my lady science, and I went camping last week. Oh, nice! Yeah, awesome. so just a nice little little break, a uh, couple of days out in the wilderness. It was nice, and we went to uh, to Starved Rock down there by Peoria or Utica. Mm-hmm. Um all that whole area and uh it's a really cool state park um if you've never been i highly recommend it you can uh you can camp there if you want or you can just go out there and uh you can do most of the trails in like a day yeah it's really easy hiking for the most part um but it's really cool um and the reason it's called starved rock is there's this legend that uh the the Illinek tribe of uh native americans uh they were, they were in a war with a couple of other tribes. And so they were treated to Starved Rock. And uh, basically, it, it's, a, it's like a 125-foot sandstone plateau almost. And so they, they hid on the rock. And, and what ended up happening was the other tribes laid siege to them. And they basically ended up starving to death, is how the legend goes. Mm-hmm. And... Rather than starve to death, there's a there's a place there called Lover's Leap. A couple of young lovers jumped off of this cliff to their deaths. And so not a particularly happy story, but, you know, all part of the legend of this place. Yeah. Well, it's a perfect story during this freaky show. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, yeah. So it's great. Great camping. Good place uh, to hike. Um, a lot of cool canyons and stuff. A lot of stuff you'd never expect to find in Illinois. Yeah. So highly recommend it. What about you? What are you freaking thinking about? Uh, well, there's, there's two things that uh, I've kind of been pondering. And one is something you're going to have to explain to me to see if oh. I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, the other one is, uh, it's, it's pretty generic, uh, but um, I got to start putting together our, uh, our cemetery tours. Um, mm. As I gotta look up Indiana, start mapping out our, uh, our little road trip uh, for that. But uh, for those of you who are still here, uh, Coltrane, uh, Naida, thank God the pedophile is gone. Um, we uh, we have a YouTube channel. It's called Freaknet Studios over there on YouTube. Search it, check it, subscribe to it, hit the notification bell. Uh, last year, we did um, some vlogs at some local cemeteries in Illinois, some haunted cemeteries with history and stuff like that. Um, and we got great reviews about it. Even to this day, I'm still getting comments and likes and views on those episodes. Uh, people who don't even subscribe to our channel watch them but people who find them is actually subscribing to us so i do appreciate all those who do listen to our um our podcast first of all but also watch uh, all the vlog videos we do because it does take a lot of time to do that stuff uh me and cartoon joe we did we visited all those uh cemeteries we did eight of them in one day we did 12 hours of driving uh it was several hundred miles of uh driving but it was a lot of fun we had a blast doing it uh so we're gonna do it again this year and we're going to go uh to indiana now Mm-hmm. Check out the Indianapolis area. Like I said, I think there's about eight to ten cemeteries in that area. Cool. I got one too. If you happen to like my music, subscribe back. Fair warning, it's trash. I'll subscribe to y'all though. What's the name <laughs> again? Ah, uh, yeah, you know, I'll type it in here for you so you can look it up. Uh, let me know what your YouTube channel is, man. I'll, I'll look. I, I'm a music guy. I like music. I mean, I'm not. I'm not artistic in it, but uh, let me know what your YouTube channel is, and I'll go check it out. 
Uh, Freaknet Studios. Uh, there's an S at the end. I forgot to put the S. But Freaknet Studios over there on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to a hit notification bell. Uh, we did some food rankings and stuff like that there too. And we're going to do more of those uh, coming forward. Uh, I think as well as bringing back uh, some of those diet vlogs that we were doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, also doing the one chip challenge. So a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff going on that we got to do. So I'm trying to get together the uh, the roadmap, if you will, the idea of uh, how we can travel around the most convenient way possible and get those done so we get those released out to everybody. But also, I was thinking the other day, and I don't know why it popped into my head, uh, about, like, superpowers. Now, people are like, you know, if you had, like, a certain kind of superpower, which one would you want and everything? Oh, yeah. And I was thinking about super speed. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't understand, and maybe I'm wrong, and you could probably help me with this understand it, but it doesn't matter how fast you're going. You can't speed up the way water pours out of a glass. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, like you can't, you can't, you can't be so fast. Like, it's not going to increase the time it takes to cook a turkey on Thanksgiving. Right. No, it won't. So I, I'm trying to figure out like what's the benefit of being super fast if the only thing that's going to protect you is like how fast you get somewhere. Like, right. it doesn't like make you fucking faster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like in like normal basic shit. Like maybe okay, you can maybe type faster. Right. But can a computer really comprehend exactly what you're doing that quick? I don't know. Probably. You know, like, you know, like, doesn't matter how fast you are, you still have to wait for that fucking coffee. The processor uh, to figure it out. And yeah. Yeah. There's, so it's like, it's like, is, is super speed one of the most beneficial superpowers if you had to choose over like strength or, uh, right. Visibility. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think it's one of the most useless actually in day to day life. Yeah, so I was sitting there thinking about that. I don't know why it came up in my mind, but I was like, you know what? I don't think I could ever pick super speed. And I was like, man, if I could fucking... And I was at work. That's exactly what it was. I was over at work, and I was thinking to myself, like, man, if I had super speed and I could get all this shit done so much quicker, then I have less stress and, like, you know, I could relax right. a little bit more. You know, in yeah. a 12-hour day, I don't have to worry about, like, you know, burning myself out by working 12 days out of a... Or I'm sorry, uh, ten hours out of a twelve-hour shift and shit. Right. So if I had super speed, I'd get done a lot quicker. But I kept thinking to myself, like, part of my job is dumping out samples. I can't make the product pour out yeah, of the bottle any quicker. Yeah, it can only follow up the the speed of gravity. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, so it's like it's like that. So half my job, which consists of pouring shit out, has to be done in normal fucking time. Yeah. Ah, that sucks. Yeah. So, so, the only uh, speed you'd get is like going back and forth between samples. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think I decided if I ever wanted to have a superpower, I think it'd be to control time. Yeah, that'd be dope. Right? Like stop yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I can sit there and bust my ass while time is frozen, bust my ass, get everything done in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's not because I was fast, it's because I stopped time. Right. Yeah. And then I can sit there and like relax for like, you know, fucking eight hours. Like, hey, are you going to do your job? I'm like, I already did my job. Job's done, man. Yeah. Coltrane wants to uh, warp reality. Yeah. Yeah. Coltrane, I, I, did, uh, I did find you on uh, YouTube here. So I will subscribe to you as promised. I'm going to listen to some of your music, man. Because um, uh, I'm a huge supporter of uh, creators uh, supporting creators. So. Uh, I look forward to listening to your music. Uh, hey, Joe. Yeah. 
obviously, uh, Freak Joe's over here enjoying uh, his time here on this freaky show, which gives Cartoon Joe an opportunity to uh, do other things throughout the months of October. Uh, do you happen to know what uh, Cartoon Joe is currently doing while you're over here hanging out with me? Well, if you need some Cartoon Joe, you can head over to the GeekCast Live podcast at uh, violentpress.com. Uh, you can also find him on Facebook, Twitter, uh, probably Spotify, and and you know other places by searching Geek Cast Live. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, another quick thank you to you guys for uh, tuning in and listening to us. Uh, thank you to our sponsors here on the show, Ballwash.com, uh, the best place to go to get all your uh, bathroom hygienic products. Use the promo code Freaknet, save yourself fifteen percent, and <clears throat> got me choked up. Save yourself 15% your entire order at ballwash.com just by uh, using the code FREAKNET in the promo code. 15% off your entire order. Also go over to audibletrial.com slash FREAKNET. Uh, Naida, if you're looking into literature and you find want, want to find a way to enjoy it for free, go to audibletrial.com slash FREAKNET. Uh, Joey has a moment, wants to, wants to type that uh, link into uh, the chat here for us, audibletrial.com slash freaknet. Um, you can follow that link, get a 30-day free trial of Audible plus a credit to your first book purchase. So your first book will absolutely be free, and um, you get a 30-day free trial. Uh, Coltrane, yeah, you, you too, audibletrial.com slash freaknet. Follow that link that uh, the Freak Joe just uh, threw into the uh, chat here. 30-day free trial plus a credit to your first book purchase. Absolutely free to try out. And actually, you know, and when you think about it, this is a big way to help out the uh, the podcast without spending a dime on it. Cancel anytime. Enjoy it as long as you like. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter just by searching this freaking show. And our podcast can be found not only here on Podbean, but also on uh, multiple platforms that podcasts are found. I got to do a search this freaking show. Whew. Guys, uh, we're going to wrap this up. I thank you again for being here and listening to us and uh, participating in our show. Um, we will be back again, and uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook to know when that is. So uh, that's all I got, Joe. So as always, I am Travesty. And I'm the Freak Joe. And thank you for listening to another episode of this freaky show. I'm out. <laughs>